This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks. I just feel so blessed is the word that's coming to mind that you are sitting in my living room right now, Danielle. I saw you on stage, interestingly enough, at a conference called Man Talks, and you walked out onto that stage and you have the most magnetic energy of all time and the most incredible capacity to take really wildly complicated concepts and to distill them in a way that just like hits home immediately. And I remember finding out that you were from Vancouver and thinking some way, (laughs) somehow I am going to connect myself to that woman because she is magic. And so the fact that you are sitting right now in my living room, my hands are sweating. I'm sweating, but I'm so excited. Circle. (laughs) I just zipped over You're You're a 14 minute drive from my place. Oh my gosh. That's great. Wow. So you. you are a creator, a writer, a speaker, a spiritual woman, an entrepreneur, a mother, a healer, a lot of titles. How would you describe Danielle Laporte? I'm like so not into the t- I actually have been doing this experiment of like no more labels, like because you could add to that, you know, I'm a four on the Enneagram. I have I have a lot, I have way too many planets in Virgo. <laughs> <laughs> I used to identify as an introvert, and I'm just really doing like this kind of lab work of what if I'm not an introvert anymore? How would I describe myself? I would describe myself as loving, intense, unhealed, committed. Beautiful. Have you always been this magnetic force, this creator, this writer, this speaker? Have those skills and those parts of yourself always been present or is it something that you've you've cultivated hmm. and practiced always present sometimes misused oh interesting. and definitely cultivated so you know school class president I was kind of the the you know gang leader go kiss her and you know that kind of stuff <laughs> <laughs> well my nursery school report card said Danielle's very bossy mm, a leader. like yeah a leader and I have use my voice in really ego-driven ways. And and now I think I use it more in a heart-centered way. At least I'm trying. <laughs> I think you're pretty incredible at that. What does your morning look like? Mm. My morning relationship has shifted. I used to not love mornings. Uh, my morning is, I'm still lying in bed. In fact, this is a great question because I wanted to do like 
a little Instagram reel on like my morning, but my morning is so interior. It's not aesthetic at all. So, okay. I'm lying in bed. Yes. <laughs> I'm debating. Can I get like another 15 minutes out of this before I get, you know, like I really love my bed. I could work out of bed. I could stay in bed. I don't stay in bed. What I do is I usually say the Lord's prayer right away. Mm-hmm. And then I have an affirmation, more like a declaration. I do, which I can do right now because I've, I've made this public. I turned it in. I turned it into a reel. It's very simple. I say, I am healing. I am health. I am strength. I am soul light. I am mercy. I am faith. I am hope. I am grace. And then sometimes I do a bit of an inner child exercise and I put my right hand on my belly, like all that's like survival, creative will. I put my left hand on my heart and it's so simple. And sometimes I'll say, oh, you know, unconscious self, subconscious self, shadow self, or just like little Danielle, what do you need to come into balance today? Or I might just say, how can I support you? And the answer is always simple. It's like, go to the park. Can we get seven hours of sleep tonight? or I want to laugh. Often I will hear, just, just do some yoga. I have an inside morning. I have an outside morning. Outside morning is I'm on the seawall. I'm doing my walking meditation. I'm in Stanley Park, really talking to the elements. Inside is I basically just sit my butt down on a cushion and I'm there 20 to 30 minutes. And then I go, like I do lots of multitasking that probably isn't good. Like I make breakfast and then I eat breakfast while I'm putting on my mascara. I always am eating at my desk. You know, I do all those things. So you have a grounding moment and it sounds like meditation is a big piece of that, whether it's walking or sitting or just checking in and tuning in inward. It's an act of meditation. There's all the ritualistic check in with my heart, but I have to, and I am a champion for a real dedicated meditation practice. Like I'm not talking about going to the gym and saying, oh, like I meditate on the elliptical. I'm just like, girlfriend. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> It's good for your nervous system, but that ain't what it is. That's what my husband says always. He's like my, he's training for Ironman right now. Oh wow! So he goes, my, my running is my meditation. And I'm like, I'm very much of, I'm going to be on my path and do what's serving me. And yeah. he's going to do what, what he's on. So I don't harp on him about it, but in my head, I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. No, no. It's meditative, <laughs> but you need to really actually be still. Yeah. Yeah. I just finished. Well, I'm one week away from finishing my meditation teacher training. <gasps> What kind? And I've done three months, it's been 12 weeks of 30 minutes of meditation, um, mindfulness of breath, mindfulness of sound, Vipassana, and it's changed my life. I mean, I always meditated before, but it was like 15 minutes on Insight Timer, doing Michelle Campbell's Monday meditation session, very piecemeal, but really committing to that practice of every day. I mean, I'm showing Danielle right now, chronic nail biter, cuticle picker. Oh, Look at my wow. nails. Why were you biting your nails? I have anxiety. I've had a, a lifelong journey um, with anxiety. And biting my nails and picking up my cuticles is now something I don't even realize when I'm doing it. It was just so automatic all the time. Can I ask you another question about that? Yeah. When you say, I have anxiety, what do you mean? Can you say it in a different way? I experience anxiety. Yeah. Is it always present or do you have like panic attacks? 
It's not always present, but I've had many panic attacks. Sometimes, like when it's really severe OCD tendencies, Mm. I have subtle symptoms of anxiety that almost allow me to succeed and achieve and accomplish. I'm hearing this term all the time, but my emotional home is like a low level of anxiety that actually has allowed me to be really successful in many parts of my life. Yes. The problem is that without boundaries that eventually erupts into a much bigger situation where panic attacks start, everything falls apart, everything. This past winter, I've talked about this a lot on the show, but I started having such bad anxiety and intrusive thoughts that we could not figure out. And then those intrusive st- thoughts started to turn into, like, I'm, a, I'm too much of a burden. This is too hard on Scott. This is too hard on the family. And ended up in the hospital trying to find somebody who could help us with it. So it can get really bad. Yeah. What happened after hospital? Like, how did you get to the next healing? Medication and um, meditation. Medication and meditation. And time in nature, daily walks, eating consistently, and time. Um, Speaking to myself compassionately when that felt really hard. There's a lot of shame around uh, what I was experiencing. And so it was not one thing. It was layered. Um, I had a lot of resistance to going onto medication. But at the end of the day, it was like putting on the life jacket that allowed me to float up to the top of the water so that I could start swimming to shore and using all of the practices like meditation and movement and all these other wonderful practices to be able to move forward. I get it. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash rawbeautytalks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash rawbeautytalks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L com slash Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best 
friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at L-O-L-A-V-I-E.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. Have you experienced anxiety or depression or mental health struggles? My passage was, this is about five years ago now. And you know, when you've been through it, and if you get to the other side, you do start to measure things by this before and after. Absolutely. I love that I can say, yeah, it was five years ago as opposed to three years ago, you know. (laughs) Yeah, there was a real falling apart. And I hear there's so many similarities in sort of the undercurrent and then also the medicine. Mm. Like everything you've listed is so simple, but it is really it. It is the way through. And I said to my psychotherapist who was kind enough to let me have her on speed dial. She was just texting. And she said, let's just do this for this period of time. Such a gift. I was describing to her one day what I was going through. And she said, oh, you're having a panic attack. Mm. And I was like, what? I'm not even an anxious person. And she said, (laughs) Danielle, you have been managing anxiety your whole life, probably. I was like, right. You know, I'm an overachiever. And it was just keeping all the stuff under the surface, just right there. And it all just needed to come out. Super grateful for the experience. Never want to go through it again. I'm so um, curious and respectful of people's relationship with anxiety. Like, I just think it's a miracle. Like we're in this clean, very well designed home and you have two children and you're doing it. Like women are amazing. Humans are amazing. And judgment around meds, being in nature, all of it. These are all really common ground things. Yeah. Yeah. What did you find when you were going through it five Mm. years ago Mm -hmm. were the most supportive practices for you? Not working. You know, I was able to do that. Not everybody is. I mean, I just like, wow. I had considerations of like, wow, there are women who have children who go to work in this kind of hell. And for people who haven't had, you know, real anxiety, and I'm not, so we're not talking about nervousness, butterflies, some bad mm-hmm. days, right? They don't understand the hell that it is. I just, it just cracked me open in the yeah. best way. I called my team and said, in fact, I didn't even call them because I was so sensitive to like, sound, noise, voice. I couldn't listen to music anymore. I mean, I'm music is such a central part of my life. It was all too much information. So I remember I sent a voice memo and I was crying and I just said, you're going to have to take the wheel and you and Jesus going to have to take the wheel. But the tears were mostly, I didn't know how long it was going to last. And this is what I've discovered is the nature of hell, mm. which is there's the hardship But then there is the terror that it will never end and that you don't have the capacity. Like what if, and I started planning, like I can do five years of this, 
you know, I had a very specific number because I have a son and I need to get him up and out in the world. And then I can't live like this. Yeah. Because that is the double arrow. The first arrow is that you're struggling with this illness. The second arrow is the terror that you feel around it, the unknown, the mind starts to just go places. It's not able to think logically in that state. You're not in a rational space. And so I just empathize so much with people who are struggling with mental health, whatever it is. And I'm so glad we're having this conversation and that more and more people are having this conversation around all of this. You used the term, I'm so grateful for it. It just cracked me right open. And it was like, so wonderful is the essence that I'm getting, which is an interesting perspective, right? So in what way was that experience a gift to you? What did it teach you? It taught me that I have been held by life since day one. Something greater has me. Mm. And it taught me not just who my friends are, you know, like (laughs) we all know that, you know, who your friends are when you're like in hell, but like what they're made of so much love. Mm. It showed me why some people don't have the capacity to meet you in those places. And, you know, once I got to the other side, I didn't feel any judgment for that. Like in it, I I was so suffering. I didn't have really the energy to be like, you haven't called me back. And I told you I'm falling apart. You know, there was some of that, but I realized until someone has been through the depths, they cannot meet you there. Not everybody has that diving mask to go down. Right. And I had like zero judgment for it. I was like, everybody loving as good as they can love Mm. on any given day. And that's when I knew that I had expanded. I mean, I knew I never questioned God. I I could conceptualize this will lead me to a better place. I know I was going to get a good book out of it for sure. Um, (laughs) But it was just like, how long is this going to last? And am I going to be in the psych ward? And is this going to be five years? Mm -hmm. And am I going to be able to work again, to teach again? And you go through all the things. I got to sell my house because I'll have to live on that while my kid makes us nachos. Like, you know, but I learned that we do heal. You know, I had a few mystical experiences during that. I also did some meds. Yeah. I had such extreme judgment, self-judgment before that. Just like, no, I'm stronger. I don't need that. Yes. And also, you know, let's be really inclusive Long-term, it can be really challenging to get off those things. This is not the life we necessarily want to live. And if someone wants to do it for their entire lives... Live your life, sister. Live your life. Take your little white pill (laughs) and do what you need to do. So I couldn't stop crying one day. And I went into... Somebody said, go to the hospital. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. What? And this was like so out of my... This was not my life, you know? And... I was both touched and shocked at how easy it was to get drugs. Mm. And I think, you know, even losing my shit, it's clear. Kind of, I got my shit together even while I'm losing my shit. (laughs) And um, I got a female doctor and I just, I held her hands and said, something is happening. So the short end of that story is, you know, you get this big bottle of pills and... I took eight over a period of a few months Mm. and I would bite them in half 
And I would be sobbing sometimes and I call a friend and say, should I take one? And they'd be like, Danielle, just take it. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me that even if I was getting a little boost, I had the capacity to get back to regulation. Mm, yeah. And that was the savior, savior. But I did find the following day was darker. So I think with any of these things, every single person, every body, everybody's experience that they're coming to the table with is different. Yes. And one size isn't going to fit all. And that's part of the problem or challenge with the drugs is that they're kind of one size fits all. And we have yes, very big diverse problem. brains. But the positive of it is that for some people, it does work and it does help. So kind of like everything except for meditation and time in nature and connecting with others, it's, it's a little bit of uncovering what works for you and what's going to feel right for you. Now, when you said you had a couple of mystical experiences, are you talking about psilocybin or any of no. these like mind-altering no. drugs or medicines that we're starting to hear about? No, not into that at all. No, okay. Not a part of my path. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was sure you were going to say yes. No, I know. I think people would associate, you know, <laughs> new age hustler with that, that I'm dropping the stuff. This might sound hypocritical, but for some people close to me, I'm just like, Hey, I think you should do an ayahuasca journey. Right. It's not my thing right now. Yeah. Part of it is a bit shadowy. Like I want to be in control of my faculties. The other part is I just want to do it myself. You know, I sit down and I, I do my version of my work. I don't, I don't need it right now. Yeah. I am open to it for sure. I've done my share of drugs. It's not, so we're not like, I wouldn't be a beginner here. It's just this phase of my life. Yeah. And you open a doorway and people need to be mindful of the doorway. Just like anything, it's a tool. Yeah. And I think the tool is being grossly misused. I think people taking a 40-day course to become a shaman is dangerous. Mm -hmm. And I think when you go to the other side, when you kind of pierce the veil, which can be incredibly healing mm -hmm. and life-changing, that sometimes some creepy crawly stuff jumps on you and you bring it back. And it shows up in the form of migraines or you know your relationship. All of a sudden you're actually really shitty in the relationship. Mm. And I think a darkness can enter. And I work very diligently to like keep particular doors open <laughs> yeah. and uh, don't need to open that one. Yeah. Okay. So interesting. I haven't tried any of these at all, but I'm hearing about it from so many people who have tried in particular psilocybin and had these experiences and now are really touting the benefits and promoting it and everything. And so I'm just starting to dip into those conversations and get curious about it. And so interesting to hear different people's perspectives. You so have to follow your heart. If I were to consider it, I would go into a period of meditation and like really be open to the answer mm -hmm. if it was a yes or a no. Yeah. And you're still not guaranteed that you're going to get a positive experience. Yeah. And I would also say like, I don't know if it's a trend. I think it's a new path that lots of people will continue to walk for a long time. Mm -hmm. But I would also like to see like, see where you are in five years. Yes. And it is a new path 
that's being forged. So maybe like <laughs> let a few more people walk down it to see what's going on down there. Well, it's been an ancient <laughs> and a hidden path that's becoming mainstream. I'm interested in lineage. Where does it come from? How is it harvested? People send me all this CBD stuff all the time. And I'm just like, no, because once you make something super commercial, there's a particular kind of energy that goes into it. So that energy is going into the growing, the harvesting, the commercialization of things. You know, if I'm going to do some weed or some shrooms, I'm going to get them from a guy named Jack (laughs) <laughs> that I grew up with and yes. is a good man yes. and is harvesting things at the right time of the month with love. Mm. And yeah. it's a little harder to find that these days, but I think I'm going to hold out. Oh, I just, I just had a whole vision of everything in life and the connection to the clothes that we wear and the food that we eat. And talk to me a little bit about more about being in choice around the things that we surround ourselves with. Oh, I love, I would, yes. We have a, a, a practice in my Heart Center membership called Gracing the Space. And it sounds really simple, but when you do it with a particular intention, it's way bigger. And it's this. You start in one room of your house, one corner in that room, get rid of things, bless things, touch things. But here's the intention behind it. You are using your love to say, pencils, glasses, shoes, I see you, we're all from the same source. The leather from the cow, from the earth, the glass from the sand, from the, you know, this is really, we're opening ourselves up to look at our relationship to the elements Mm -hmm. and we're breathing fresh life into things. And in the same way that we meditate to kind of clear the cobwebs and make space for consciousness to fill us, Mm -hmm. we're moving stuff around in our physical living space to make room for consciousness and soul light really to pour in. Mm. So there's that. And just when you do that, when you make a habit of that, you're not going to pier one anymore to get fake stuff. Like it's got to have a story. Mm-hmm. Or if you don't, if you do go to pier one, you're grateful and it's somehow part of the energy you're creating. And even like, you know, probably took you nine months to get that sofa in. I mean, it's taking everybody a year to get anything in right now with supply chain issues. But I think approaching our physical spaces, our homes as a spiritual practice can really be like a powerful, real thing. And you wait for the sofa, like you wait for the right relationship. And do you really need that shallow conversation? And do you need that extra pair of shoes? And where's it all come from? And where's it all going? And also I have let go of two thirds of all of my material things in the last two years. So in moving and downsizing from a big home into your current space. And I've just realized when I talk about it now, I've just kind of heard like people like, are you good? Are you like, is, is everything okay financially? I'm like, you know, I'm good. Like I did it from, (laughs) I'm not going bankrupt. This was like a choice. I didn't want the stuff anymore. Yeah. And I'm not living like a Zen monk. I mean, I still have a great sofa and, (laughs) and, you know, I like my boots. Yeah. 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 It's not about depriving yourself of anything, but about becoming more consciously aware of what's actually bringing you joy. Mm -hmm. I know when I shop online, and I'm doing it because I'm tired and I'm avoiding working, that it momentarily gives me that dopamine hit 
that I'm looking for. But then long term afterwards as well, the next day, you're left feeling the same way. Like it's just, there's just an emptiness to it. And so in the same way that you said, you're continuously looking to open certain doors and keep certain doors closed. So much of what I'm asking myself these days is, is this opening a door that I want to walk through, not just in this moment, but for tomorrow and the next day and the day after that. Of course, we can't ask that with every decision that we make throughout the day, but the more aware we can become and the more conscious we can become, life just starts to feel more vibrant. Vibrant. I've been exploring a little bit in Buddhism. They have the Eightfold Noble Path and one of the things that they talk about is right speech and right action and going through the meditation teacher training and just sort of hearing some of these pillars and some of these ideas has been so powerful and grounding to me as somebody who's not like, I wouldn't say I'm religious particularly, but just having these pillars or foundational things to rest upon. What would you say are some of those things in your life that help you feel more grounded or, um, directed? Yeah. Directed. Yeah. Right. Speech is one of them. When my son was, you know, just learning how to talk, I hate broccoli. No, we don't No, (laughs) no, we don't say hate. You don't like broccoli. I hate broccoli really super intentional with words. It's all incantation. I don't say things like I'm killing it, I'm slaying it or that. What a sick idea. No. And I feel just as passionate and cool and artistic and yeah. Yeah. And you are three-time best-selling author and you've got your fourth book coming out. You know how to communicate ideas with passion and vigor that lands for people, but you're intentional with it. One thing I've noticed being around individuals who meditate frequently and who are more mindful, you speak slower. Mm. There's pauses between the words and the way that you speak. Has that always been the case for you? Or do you think that the more you've deepened into these practices, that that just starts to become the way that you are? The latter. I think you want to impress less. So you don't have to fill the spaces with all this stuff and just like, hey, hey, right, right, right. Mm -mm." Um, (laughs) And... I want to get it right. So we can all just, just let's just have three seconds so I can give you the right word instead of the junk word. Yeah. As I pause <laughs> poetically, <laughs> it sounds so, uh, it's like a poetry reading now, but yeah, but that's the reality of, yeah. And I'm, yeah. um, there's a chill factor that comes with some wisdom. And I'm not always chill. I mean, sometimes I'm like super riled and, you know, I really have authority issues I struggle with. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I got, I got time. Mm. Your fourth book, is it your fourth book? This is my fifth book. Your fifth book. Yes. We've got The Desire Map, Firestarters, White Hoth Truth. Yeah. And I wrote a book in a past life called Style Statement. 
my business partner and I at the time came up with this beautiful methodology. You had these two words. There was a whole thing. It was like soulful branding. And it was my first book deal. And then the business went south. And, you know, I write about it in Firestarter Sessions. I got Steve Jobbed, canned from my own business. And so I lost all the rights to that intellectual property. It got sold in this auction. I was just like this crazy business story. And it's a beautiful book, but it's like a whole other life. So. Gotcha. Yeah. How to be loving, number five. How to be loving. I mean, the title of this book is impactful in and of itself and leads to so many conversations. Knowing my audience and who's listening right now, one of the things that I see with so many humans today is a struggle to love ourselves, to love the bodies that we're in, to feel like we are doing enough, being enough, that our homes are quote unquote perfect enough or Instagrammable enough, that our wardrobe is current enough. I mean, the the list goes on and on. And I'd love to hear if you had some wisdom or advice for individuals who are struggling with feeling enough, Mm. what would you say? Well, you hit it, which is everybody has that struggle. So like awareness, number one, you're not alone. I always forget this gets so misquoted, like the Plato quote, be kind for everybody's fighting the same battle. It's something like that. Mm-hmm. You have to get clear on what part of you is asking if you're enough. And it's the ego. So your unhealed self, your wounded self is asking if you're enough. Mm. The heart doesn't ask if you're enough. Your children come to you if they were to say, am I enough? You would laugh. You would say, what a silly question. You're beloved. It's infinite. I love you unconditionally. I got so much love for you. I don't even, I would never even ask that. Uh, So yeah, it's the wound saying, am I enough? Can I get some? What do I need to be better? Am I worthy? I try not to even engage in the conversation with people, whether they're worthy or not. I mean, speaking about conscious language, like it's not even in my teaching toolkit of like, let's work on your self-worth. No, no. The ego loves self-worth projects. Let's do things that you, so you can feel more valuable. No, let's just feel valuable right now with all the shit that's going on. Mm. That's the alchemy. How do people connect into that if that's not a familiar feeling? Like they just... They, they have these thoughts that they're unworthy or they feel it in their, their body. It's just naturally where they go. What's the medicine? Is that what you're asking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you treat yourself like a five-year-old? And that's why the term inner child is really powerful and effective and so popular right now. So how would you talk to a confused, hurting, crying five-year-old child that you loved not like your annoying nephew that you have a hard time with. You have all this judgment about how your sister-in-law is raising them. But like your own child, it's your tone. It's your unconditionalness. You wouldn't say to a five-year-old child, stop crying. You would say, oh, what's the matter? So you have a friendly relationship. This is very Buddhist too. It's like loving kindness, metta, M-E-T-T-A, is a warm unconditional friendliness with your stuff. Mm. And that's it. And it's a little bit more every day. 
It's all day. It's all your stuff. Warm, unconditional friendliness with all the stuff you're ashamed of. My experience is like, this is really the work. It's not just the parts of myself that I don't want, that I want to change. It's the incidences. It's like the real times when I was arrogant or manipulative, like I actually acted on that stuff. That is really hard to integrate and forgive. But when you do that, you become a whole different kind of powerful. And uh, you are way more accepting of other people. And you have a lot more harmony. You sleep better at night. It's great for your skin. <laughs> <laughs> you want the glow? Go to DanielleLaporte.com. <laughs> it's great for your digestion. She does have amazing skin, I'll just say. Right now. <laughs> it radiates out of you. Oh, okay. So, I mean, this is the work. And I love that it ties back to your morning, quote unquote, routine of just asking that little five-year-old self, the shadow self, what do you need today? Mm-hmm. What would be fun? What would bring joy? What would connect you to those core desired feelings? Mm -hmm. When I was doing my homework for this conversation, something came up from an interview that you did with Lewis House where you said, I don't need to be fixed. There's no fixing. We are perfect as we are. And then you guys carried on. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. I often feel like there are a lot of parts of me that need to be fixed, especially when my anxiety gets flared up. It is like, this is a part of me where my nervous system is a little bit wacky and broken and my chemical levels need to be fixed. Can you talk to me a little bit more about that concept? But you are perfect. Your soul is untainted. Your soul is holding this experience for you. And the experience is hard. But the you, you, the essential you, the divine you, perfect, beloved, impeccable, it's unquestionable. And there's always room for improvement. The universe is always expanding. There is a creative edge. There's infinite possibilities. So keep going. <laughs> keep growing. Yeah, keep, keep growing. Expanding. Yeah. But no that deep within you, you could stay as you are right now and that there's, that you are worthy as, of that, that you are. You were just removing layers. That's all. It's like all the ideas that you're separate, all the ideas that you're what someone said about you, all the ideas about whether anxiety is enlightened or not. Those are concepts. They're not even, they're not even really, really real, right? right? We make all that stuff really real and it needs to be honored and not bypassed. But like the foundation of you is good, is pure. Yeah. And the whole journey is about realizing that you're going to forget it a gazillion times a day and you just go, oh, I'm this isn't the most spiritual thing. There's two really spiritual things I say to myself. One is, I'm doing my best. And it's really with that tone. It's not like, I'm doing my best. Screw you. Life sucks. <laughs> I'm doing the best I can. You know, it's, I am doing my best. And the other is, I'm love and I got this. So I approach this conversation as love. Not at, I mean, I'm trying, right? I have an ego. I'm here. I have a persona. 
I care about how I look, but I'm not approaching this conversation right now in this moment of just like, I'm afraid of what everybody's going to think of me. No, I'm going to be love. I'm grateful to be here. I'm loving myself. I'm loving you. And when you get into that mindset, I mean, I really believe so much of spirituality is just thinking with love. Just use love to think with. That's spiritual. When you get into that mindset, you feel really capable. Like, I'm love. We're going to get through this conversation. I don't mean this one in particular, but like, we're going to get through the tough conversation. I am love. I can navigate my anxiety today. I can be with it today. I am love. I have capacity to love myself even if I'm anxious. Mm -hmm. I have capacity to love the anxiety. Mm. I have the capacity to love people who voted differently, make different choices, even though I think I'm right and I'm holistic and I'm spiritual and I'm all these things, I can love you if I don't think you are that. Mm -hmm. What's helped me really get there with people and to be less polarized is I'm really trying to celebrate people's free will. I know I've had people in my life who are really wise and knew whatever I was doing was not going to end well. (laughs) I'm just like, all right, little girl, you just go do your thing, Danielle, run yourself into the ground, be ambitious, do all those things. What can they do? Wise people know they can't help anybody. Can't help anybody. I can offer something and you take it or you, you don't. I may not agree with you at all. And what you are doing might be certifiably harmful and we need to find some justice for that. But I'm just going to celebrate that. Like, man, you did your research. You were using your free will. Take some courage to have your own opinion. Take some courage to voice it. Right. You, okay. All right. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to quote you here. Okay. You will always be too much of something for someone. Too big, too loud, too soft, too edgy. If you round out your edges, you lose your edge. Apologize for mistakes. Apologize for unintentionally hurting someone profusely. But don't apologize for being who you are. Mm -hmm. That's my most quoted anything ever. Which says a lot about where we're at. It really does. What's the first step for somebody who's like, I I don't even know who I am beyond all these labels that have been placed on me. You know, I went through the school system. I got straight A's. I went into, I became a doctor. Now I've got freaking anxiety, but I've got a nice house and a good career. And like, how, who am I? Mm -hmm. You're amazing because you've asked the question. Just to say, who am I? You are conscious. You are waking up. It's incredible. Celebrate that. What brings you joy? I think when you're living with that question, you do need to hang out in the realm of feelings. I'm interested in what's beyond feelings right now. It's really what How to Be Loving is about. But part of the awakening is my feelings matter. My feelings are a GPS system to what is right and healing and nourishing for me. Great. Be there. Figure that out. Spend two, three, four, five years, a lifetime figuring that out. What brings you joy? You're going to have to realize that guilt comes with consciousness because once someone starts to wake up and they're going to change the script and everybody's been on the same page for so long and you say, um, 
I don't want to come for Easter dinner. Yeah, I know I went through med school, but you know what? This isn't working for me. Then people are going to push back. That's okay. It's okay. Everybody can deal with their feelings. Your job in life is to create conditions of healing for yourself. To not do that is actually irresponsible, and it creates a lot of burden on other people and on the system. I don't mean like, you do you and fuck everybody else. I mean, you love what's happening inside yourself. Love the struggle. Love the regret of going to med school or marrying the person. And maybe you stay a doctor and maybe you stay with that person. But you just kind of grieve that you faked it a bit. And that is you waking up and that's light of consciousness and you'll be more conscious of the next decision. Mm. Yeah. Love, love, love. I know how to be loving is about so much more than partnership love, but you've gone through heartbreak and relationship struggles as many of us have. Are you in love right now? I am so in love right now. You are. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Give us the juice, Danielle. Awesome. Well, I'm in love and we are in love and the honeymoon is over. We're in the, we're in like, okay, (laughs) now we're getting to it. And I love it. I love seeing each other's dark side. And I don't mean like that tantric dark. I mean, that's there, (laughs) but, um, I love just seeing how undeveloped we each are in different ways, how triggerable we are. Oh my God. So, yeah, this is where the commitment really starts to take hold. It's like the fertilizer. You've done so much work all along on yourself. And then when you add this other person to the mix, whether it's a life partner or a friend or a child or Mm -hmm. the relationship we have with our parents, it adds a whole other dimension to Mm -hmm. self-reflection and learning and awareness and consciousness. I took a workshop once with David Data. And I'm down for some of his stuff and not so much for the other parts of it, but lots of respect for him, enough that I took the yoga of sexuality. And his feeling was, it's better to be in relationship than not, because it's such fertile ground to grow, like all your stuff is there. I don't necessarily agree with that, mm. but I can I, I can attest, like, relationships are my most growthful place Mm. for sure it's non-stop it's so incredible though doing that work with somebody scott and i went to a therapy session we hadn't been for like a year and a half and just taking that time whether it's therapy or just like the day-to-day interactions that you have you know where you're becoming aware of what's triggering or what's not once you get into it and you're doing it and you realize like you're not going to run away, you're not actually going to leave, you're here to do the work, it it's juicy. joy comes to mind for, for me. I don't know why that word, because sometimes it doesn't feel very joyful, but your heart opens. Yeah. My guy and I refer to our bumps as bumps, right? It's like, ooh, there's a little bump here. Yeah. Sometimes it's a big bump. And because I've been doing enough workshops, I would say, oh, I love this. I love it. And he'd be like, I don't, I don't love this. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, but yeah, we're, we're going to get closer. It's going to be so, you know, not that I'm more evolved than he is. He teaches me many, many things. But more recently, he's just like, I'm kind of getting this bump thing. Like that is one thing I have taught him, inspired, is 
It always, always gets us somewhere better. It's a choice. You have to be conscious about it. But uh, yeah, I dig it. I was like, oh, that was a that was a good row yesterday. Yeah. Life would be so boring if we were just like coasting along on a even pane of pavement and had no, like the trails are better. Mm, the the bumps, trails are better. The bumps and the like roots and the sticks. And I mean, there's definitely times when I've been rolling through life, like get me onto a fricking highway 99 where there is, <laughs> <laughs> there is clear skies and no bumps. That's what I'm craving right now. But in general, yeah, the bumps are kind of where it's at. The bumps are where the healing happens. Yeah. Where can everybody find out more about Danielle and your new book, how to be loving, which I've started by the way, and it's phenomenal. Thank you. So here's how it's rolling right now. If you pre-order the book and then you come to daniellelaporte.com slash how to be loving, let us know that you ordered a couple copies. Got to be two. Okay. And then you can come to church with me. It's an online event, two hours. It's called Church with D and Friends. Leanne Rhymes is going to come and sing. <gasps> Stop it. Yes. From God's work, her new album, which is sublime. Everybody needs to order it. Beautiful chorus is going to be singing. Michael Beckwith is going to give us a blessing, and then I'm going to throw down on deep self-acceptance and true identity. No big deal. No big. <laughs> and yeah, and then on October 11th, it's on shelves everywhere. And I just want to say, as a writer, the birthday of a, the book, the first week is really important to getting that love out there. It's like rocket fuel when you show up in the beginning. Yes, and it feels... This one feels right on time. I cannot recommend this book more. Go grab it. Do yourself a favor. Join Danielle for church. Trust me, you will thank me. You will not regret it. I still think about that day that I saw her on stage. So, you know, any opportunity you have to kind of connect with her, surround yourself with her words and her work, take it. Thank you for joining us, Danielle. Oh, this is great. Thank you. Let us know what resonated the most. Take what hits and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take a moment to rate, review, or follow on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with someone that you think could benefit. Join the Raw Beauty Talks community at Raw Beauty Talks. And remember, it's your story, your body, your mind, and your journey. So think about what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.